you have your Bibles, uh, Ephesians 5 is where we're going to be. I encourage you to grab one, grab one of those, find it in your own Bible, uh, and follow along with us uh, this morning. Uh, <clears throat> I don't know about you, but my family uh, is not made up of uh, a lot of morning people. Uh, when we <clears throat> do get up early, it's out of necessity, uh, not because we really want to be up, right? I'm sure I'm not the only one in that case. So when minor inconveniences come up, like school, five days a week, uh, my kids are not the biggest fans uh, of having to get up and get ready. Uh, it's one of those things I, I, I miss about being a homeschool family. Now, when the kids were younger and we needed them to get up, Cena would quietly walk into their room uh, and, and real softly tell them, hey, it's time, it's time to get up. She, she might even lay next to them in their bed and, and stroke their hair uh, so, so, so that they peacefully uh, wake up. And, and then they would like snuggle in the bed for a little bit, like really good uh, quality time. Uh, that is not my style. I, I would open their door, throw the lights on, walk in there clapping singing a song that I learned when I was a kid in church. Rise and shine and give God, you know the song? Give God the glory, glory. I I still even think to this day it's one of their favorite songs. (laughs) Now, occasionally I will still do that to them um, if they refuse to get out of bed and get the day started. So as we uh, study our text this morning, it appears... That, that Paul is trying to get his readers to wake up. And so Aria, right? Aria is coming up this morning, and she's going to lead us as we read verses 11 through 14 of chapter 5 this morning. I'd encourage you to stand. There it is. But instead expose them, for it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible, for anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore, it says, awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Amen. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for Aria. Thank you for her willingness to uh, read your text in this place this morning. I pray, God, that those words will seep into our heart. I pray that you'll speak through them. I pray, God, that we will become awakened to them. And so we ask all these things in your name. Amen. Thank you, Aria. Now, it's always important, and some of you might get tired of hearing me say this, but context is vital to understanding a passage of Scripture like this one. If we don't keep in mind that Paul is writing to believers... It will be far too easy to dismiss these words as merely a warning to the world around us rather than a wake-up call for those of us that are followers of Jesus. And without the proper context, it would be very easy to make some really bad applications of what Paul is writing here in this text. And and so we need to understand that Paul is writing to believers here and, and, and not to those who aren't, okay? And so in this text, Paul is saying, wake up, believers. Wake up. 
we are actually going to work backwards this morning. Um, because I, I want us to make sure that we understand the framework of this passage. In, in verse 14, scholars believe that Paul is quoting uh, an early Christian hymn uh, that was influenced by the prophet Isaiah. So, so even like today, we, we take phrases from uh, some popular songs and we put them on our wall, right? Uh, it is well with my soul. Uh, amazing grace, how sweet the sound. Like we have those pieces of art in our home. The, the same is probably true for the early Christian church. Isaiah 26, 19 says, your dead will live, their bodies will rise. Isaiah 60 reads, arise, shine, for your light has come. Now, both of those passages support the idea that Paul is writing here to believers, since, since they were addressed to God's chosen people and not addressed to other nations. By citing these words... Paul is reminding his readers how they were transformed from death and darkness into life by the transforming light of the world, who is Jesus. And so he's reminding us that we were once one way and now we are different. The the reminder of their conversion experience was to be a wake-up call to Paul's readers. But by thinking back to your conversion experience, they are reminded that just as light and darkness are mutually exclusive, there there is to be no middle ground, there's to be no shade of gray for those who have the light of Christ in their lives. We we would do well to apply the very same wake-up call into our lives as well. There are perhaps many of you who don't have have a... lot of memory of your conversion because you grew up in the church your whole life and you know nothing different. That, that's my story. So, so, so what I tend to do is I tend to think back or think about where would I be without the Lord? Where, where would I be if he didn't intervene in my life? When I think about what he has protected me from by giving me Christian parents, when I look at the world around me, And how so many people come from broken homes, it makes me grateful that the Lord spared me from that. Now, with my personality, I could have easily gone down a different path and and tried things that I shouldn't have. Where would you be if the Lord had not intervened in your life? Like, think about where you would be. Think about what your life would look like. Or maybe you haven't surrendered your life to Him quite yet. And he is ready to change your life today. As we continue to go through this passage, I would encourage you to just pray to God yourself that he would speak to you. Begin to pray that you would hear the sound of his voice, that you would know the sound of his voice. So so this is a wake-up call. This passage is a wake-up call for all of us who proclaim faith in the Lord. Romans 13 should be a great challenge for us. He says, besides Uh, Besides this, you know the time, that the hour has come for you to wake from sleep. For salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed. The night is gone, the day is at hand. So then let us cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Again, in that passage, Paul is writing to believers who were struggling with returning to their former way of life. So Paul warns them that they should lay aside the darkness... And put on the light. Does that sound familiar with what he said in Ephesians? Take off your old way of life and put on your new way of life. 
So if, if it was a struggle for them back then, who had Paul walking with them, w- would it not be a struggle for us as well? We, we need to wake up to the reality. We need to be on guard and make sure we aren't just hitting the snooze button because that is so easy to do. It's so easy to hit that button. Your Christian life is a constant battle, and the enemy is trying to keep you asleep for as long as he can because it doesn't go well for him if you're awake. How it works for me at times is is I get in my head, I'll do that later. I'll share the gospel next time I run into them. I'll start working on this sin issue later because it's inconvenient for me right now. I'll spend time in prayer when I get home because it's been a busy day. I'll disciple my kids when they're in a better mood. Those are all the ways that I tend to hit the snooze button on what God is calling me to do. How is God trying to get your attention today? Has he brought people to your mind lately that you need to call on, that you need to check in? Has he convicted you of some sin in your life that you need to confess? Has he put a burden on you to reprioritize your life so that you have more room for the things of God? Maybe he's softly whispering to you and gently trying to wake you up. Or maybe he's coming in, throwing the lights on, clapping his hands and singing a song. Whatever his approach to you is, it's time to wake up. Some of us are more stubborn than others. And so God is, you know, God gently laying in my bed, stroking my hair, (laughs) probably is not going to work for me, right? And, And so for me to wake up, sometimes it takes a lot of those things. Salvation is closer now than when you first believed. Nighttime is over. Nighttime is over. It's working hours now. It's it's time to get out. And there is a lot of work that needs to be done. When we are awake and in the light, we begin to understand and we begin begin to see that it exposes things to us, right? That, that is what Paul writes in verse 13. When, when anything that is exposed to the light, it becomes visible. The, the, the first thing that light does is that it exposes. It, it, it exposes what is in the room. In, in particular, Paul is writing about how light exposes the fruitless deeds of darkness. Now, I'm not sure the reason why, but anytime I watch a crime show on TV, it always amazes me. That, that when the police show up to a building, they, they walk around with flashlights and, instead of just turning the lights on, right? Like, it, it, it would make, it seems to be a more efficient way to just turn the lights on. Maybe one of you that are police officers can share with me why they don't do that. Because I'm, maybe there's a reason why it just doesn't make any sense to me. So, so when you are walking around in darkness and you are exposed to the light, you begin to see your sin nature more fully. Jesus told Nicodemus in John chapter 3, everyone who does wicked things hates the light. Jesus uses the very same word for exposed that Paul uses here in Ephesians. 
It's a word that not only means to bring something to light, but it also brings conviction. When light is shined in the darkness, it not only exposes the fruitless deeds of the darkness, but it also brings conviction about the sinful deeds of the darkness. So part of our wake-up call as believers is to remember how God brought light into our lives when we were still darkness and how that light exposed the darkness in our lives and, and convicted us of our need to do something about that darkness. Now, my daughter was and still is uh, awesome. She, for those of you all know her, know that. When, when she was little, we, we play hide-and-seek. And I love playing with her because she made it really easy. And her skill level as she grew had all these different stages. At first, she would think that if she couldn't see me, then I couldn't see her. And so she would just close her eyes, and then I would pretend to be looking for her until I, until I found her. And then she upped her level a little bit, Right? Okay, Daddy, we're going we're gonna to go play hide-and-seek. You go stand in the corner and count. I'm going to go hide in your bed under the covers. Right? Like, a little harder, but still. Right? Then as she got older, it became a little more difficult. She got wiser. She would actually find good places to hide, and it would take me a minute or two to track her down. Now, at every level of her skill, I would always seek after her, and I would always find her. The, the truth of the matter is she was never really far from me to begin with. She always knew I would find her. I, I don't think she ever went into a hiding spot thinking, my dad's never going to find me here. He, I'm never going to see him again. I don't think that ever once crossed her mind. But as a Christian, that is the kind of games that we play with the Lord. We think we're hiding. But he is still seeking after us, and he will find us. By exposing us to the light, the tendency is to try to put it back in the darkness because it isn't as ugly there, is it? It's not as hard to look at there, is it? But God is seeking after us. He's convicting us. He's exposing us because he loves us. We are his children, and when he sees his children... Hiding in the dark, he seeks after us so that we will walk in the light. Satan wants us to hide. Satan wants us to pretend it isn't there. Satan wants us to get comfortable with the darkness. But the problem is wicked things hate the light. And we have a God who is constantly pursuing and turning the lights on. He's constantly exposing. If you are a believer in Jesus, that conviction will never go away. You really have two options. Put the work in, confess it, get the help you need to overcome it, pursue the Lord in it, or live your life with constant conviction. Those are really your only two options as a believer. He's going to always expose it because he cares for you. Don't keep leaving in the dark, living in the dark until it blows up in your face where it costs you your family, where it costs you your job, where it costs you potentially even your life. He's going to expose it. He's going to turn the lights on. 
because you are light. Now, when I was a kid, the only plant I could grow, and probably still could grow, was a chia pet. I was reminded of them the other day when I was walking through Menards, and they had one. I hadn't seen one in a long time. They had a Burt Reynolds chia pet. Um, my birthday's in September. I had several uh, chia pets growing up because, again, that's the only thing I could keep alive. Uh, now, there's two rules to follow if you own a chia pet. Water it and put it in the light. Really, that's the only two rules. If I learned anything in life science when I was growing up, it's that the, the kind of things that grow in the darkness are usually harmful for you. No one wants to put black mold on a salad. For a plant to be healthy, it needs sunlight. If you want to be a healthy follower of Jesus... Come into the light because the darkness is going to kill your spiritual growth. Bring things to the light. That, that's why we spent time last week encouraging you. Encouraging you, write down these sins. Write your name on it. Own it. Expose it. Bring it to the light. B- because by doing that, you're bringing it to the light. It's not a secret anymore. And and I hope that many of you, if not all of you, took a step this week and confessed that to somebody else and and got some help and started taking some steps in overcoming this sin because it's hard, right? It's uncomfortable, but in the end, it will make you a mature follower of Jesus. So light exposes, but it also transforms. That's exactly what had already happened to all of, Paul, all of Paul's readers, and it is what has occurred in our lives as well if we are followers of Jesus Christ. As we saw last week, when God shines his light into our lives and reveals the darkness and brings conviction, we respond to that light. And when we respond to that light, we don't just become enlightened, we actually become light. We become the light ourselves. Paul confirms that principle again here when he writes that everything that becomes visible is light. Paul describes this process in a couple of his other letters. In Colossians chapter 1, he writes, He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, he writes, For God who said, Let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. So Paul is encouraging his readers, first of all, to remember the light. He's urging them to think back to the time when God brought light into their darkness And allowed them to see the nature of their dark deeds. And then God did something even more miraculous. His light actually transformed their lives so that they became light themselves. So remember when you were exposed to the light, but also understand he's going to transform you so that you become light as well. That's the story of so many of you. So many people, that's your story. God has used your story of darkness and now uses it to shine light to those around you. 
Everyone, everyone likes a transformation story, right? Why, why do weight loss companies do before and after photos? Be, because they're trying to sell you that that could be you if you buy their product. Why, why do dentists use before and after photos? Because they're trying to sell you that that could be your smile. I mean, that's how pyramid schemes work, isn't it? They, they sell you on the potential of what you could make if you will join them. In, in all those cases, they're, they're trying to show you that your life can be transformed. You can have a six-pack. You can have a beautiful smile. You can have your own yacht and never have to worry about money again. This is what God does. He transforms us from darkness into light so that we can be the light to those around us. It's, I was one way, but then God did something in me and now I am more like him. That's a powerful testimony. Many many of you have powerful testimonies. I used to be legalistic, but then God showed me his grace. I used to be addicted, but God gave me the strength to overcome it. I used to treat my spouse like trash, but the Lord changed my heart, and now we have this awesome marriage. Whatever your story is, God wants to use you so that you can be the light to others. Do you know why groups like Life Recovery are so important? Because it gives people hope that their life can be different than it is right now. When they're around people, surrounded by people that have overcome it, that are on the path towards healing, it gives them hope. At our last church, we had this worship leader um, that had spent 26 years in prison. Now, he was, he was not a good guy. He must have done some horrible things to get that much time in prison. In fact, when I first met him, he had just gotten out of prison. But during his time in prison, the Lord got a hold of him. You see, for some, it takes a wake-up call like that to get our attention. But from the time the Lord got a hold of him until today, he has the joy of the Lord all over him. He, he now uses his talents to shine the light on, to those around him. He, he didn't get those talents when the Lord saved him. But, but now he uses those talents for the kingdom. His life is one of transformation. And, and now he uses his transformation story to help transform others. God can take your messed up life that, 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 that's in the darkness and he can transform it into light. But you have to be willing to be exposed You have to be willing to take that step. You have to trust the process. You have to trust that his ways are better. And I know that's hard. And and I know it's the last thing you want to do at times. But the reality is, is that light transforms you for a reason. There is a reason why the Bible says that iron sharpens iron. So one man does another. It's the reason why Peter says that the genuineness of your faith is tested by fire. Those are not easy processes to go through. 
We have to be okay with going through the moments of being uncomfortable for our faith to be strengthened. When sparks start flying, when the heat gets hot, trust that God is forming you into something that is going to be better and that you are going to be used by him. It exposes, but it also transforms. Now, again, remember that this passage is written to believers. So, so we can't take verses and think that it's our responsibility to expose the sins of everyone around us. Okay, God is the one who reveals sins to unbelievers, not us. God is the one that brings conviction, not us. Unfortunately, many well-meaning Christians have taken verse 11 out of context and used it trying to justify trying to be the Holy Spirit to unbelievers. They honestly believe that this verse gives them not only the right, but the obligation to point out and expose sin in the lives of unbelievers. But there are several problems with using this verse in that manner. When we try to to, to be the Holy Spirit, we actually are putting ourselves in the place of God. The Bible is clear that the work of the Holy Spirit to convict the unbelieving world is his job. It's the Holy Spirit's job. However, God does often use his children in that process. When, when, when our lives produce the fruit of the light, which is goodness and righteousness and truth, God can often use our lives to dispel the darkness in the lives of others. But, but that's as bad as far as it goes with our responsibility in that area. This is why I'm 100% against Christians protesting at abortion clinics. By, by bringing shame to a woman who is probably living out one of the worst days of her life does not sound like Jesus to me. Our time and resources will be better served by volunteering at pregnancy centers, loving men and women as they navigate that process. We should be praying that the Holy Spirit would convict the doctors and the nurses and the women at the abortion clinic, but we don't need to shame them. When when I came into the sanctuary this morning, it it was completely dark in here. There, There was no sun coming from the windows. There were no lights on. But I didn't get rid of the darkness by trying to switch it off. I I turned on the light and the darkness disappeared. Darkness is not the problem. It has not been the problem. As we discussed last week, darkness is merely the absence of light. So the, the problem is not darkness. It's the lack of light from those who claim to be followers of Jesus Christ. Too many Christians are sound asleep. The, the problem with darkness is that there's too many followers of Jesus who are not shining the light. This passage is indeed a much-needed wake-up call to us as a church. God is saying to his children, wake, wake up. Hey, wake up. There is death and darkness all around you. You are getting enveloped by the darkness. 
Remember the light that I brought into your life. Remember that I exposed that darkness. Remember that I exposed that sin and transformed you from darkness to light. He's saying repent of any fruitless deeds of darkness and don't, don't even talk about them. Live as children of light so that others might see the light and give God glory to the Father in heaven. Wake up. Wake up. That's a call for all of us, is it not? Wake up. And so instead of, instead of bringing shame to those around us who are walking in darkness, can we just love them better? Instead of pointing out all their sinful deeds, can we just show them the light that's in us and hopefully they, they see the difference? It's not our job to bring conviction. That's the Holy Spirit's job. And so we need to fall on our knees and beg that he will do that. When, when I came in this morning, again, lights were off. I turned the lights on. Like I do every Sunday morning, I come in here and I just pray for you. Pray for these seats. Pray for, pray for me. Pray that my words will uh, not be of me. So I, I never try to uh, play on your emotions. Uh, I really just try to portray what I feel like the Lord is telling us as a church. And I think we need to repent. I think we need to repent of the fact that you and I have not been light in dark places as best as we should. We, we've hit the snooze button far too many times. And if you have a spouse that hits the snooze button multiple times, it drives you crazy. And so I'm going to pray for us. I'm going to ask our elders to, to, to be up front. And, and we want to pray with you. I'm going, to, I'm going to have the altar open. If you need to come lay those things before him. Maybe you brought some things into the light last Sunday and you've put it back there. Maybe you need to bring it into the light again. See, sin a lot of times is like a child that you're trying to, um, to take, take from, like, the fun station. They, they usually, when they're young, they leave kicking and screaming because they want to stay. Sometimes that's our sin. We, we bring it out, and it's kicking and screaming, and it wants to go right back in. So sometimes we need to go in there and get it again, right? So let's bring some things to the light. Let's wake up. So if you've been hitting the snooze button, my prayer for you is that you would turn it off. The night is over. The day is here. And we got a lot of work to do. So let's pray. Father, I pray that as we, as we sing and respond to your words, that you will speak to our hearts. I pray, Father, that you will not only expose our sin, but you will help us see that you will transform our lives as well.
And so, God, we pray that your voice will be heard in our hearts. Again, I pray that you will take away any pride that's in this room. And I pray, Father, that you will replace it with obedience. As we sing and as we pray and as we repent. It's your name we pray. Amen.